Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Poix. Uh, we're bringing you a, a new edition of Ball and Breakfast Podcast, kind of covering football this time. We've done, you know, deep dives into the NBA. Uh, playoffs are ongoing right now. You can uh, check out our latest episodes on the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference first round playoff predictions. Um, you know, I think it's best if you go to Instagram first. You know, if you're if you're on that social media channel, you can find our uh, link tree. Uh, URL in our profile, and that'll get you to, you know, YouTube. It'll get you to all of our uh, podcast channels, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Anchor. You can find us all over the place. But uh, you know, we really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, following us wherever we are, subscribing, uh, liking, you know, anything we're doing or commenting on, you know, how you feel, or you know, just just start up a conversation with us or others. Just try to, you know, kind of. Uh, Get a debate going on on some of the stuff we're putting out there. I mean, I, I don't know if Wayne and I are exact, you know, geniuses or anything like that, but uh, you know, we like to be tested and we like to, you know, hear what's going on. So, uh, without further ado, uh, you know, looking at you know April twenty eighth, a Thursday is the NFL draft. Um, you know, for me personally, it's something that you know I always like to track just to know, you know, going into the new um, football year, fantasy football season, just kind of understanding, you know, which rookies are really going to be you know, making an impact, who can be guys that are, you know, franchise cornerstones. And then, you know, also when you're watching the draft, there's always going to be that blunder pick or, you know, perhaps that blunder mega trade that just, uh, you know, sends you into, you know, complete uh, shivers or a nightmare or something like that. And, you know, as Bears fans, Wayne and I, uh, you know, we'll touch on one, but uh, in general, uh, should be fun. And uh, to kind of set that up, to set that up for next, uh, the next two Thursdays from now, we're going to talk about the best and worst draft day trades that we've kind of ever really experienced. And, uh, you know, we'll break down the players involved, the picks, and uh, just kind of the ramifications of what happens. So, you know, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Wayne to uh, kick it off with uh, one of the best uh, draft day trades he's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Pat. Yeah. So maybe not ever seen, but have read about and, and studied, uh, uh, I'm gonna go a little bit retro here. Um, for so for my first uh, uh, like best draft day trades, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the best, probably the best player ever in the NFL, uh, apart from probably Tom Brady, right? Um, Jerry Rice, uh, 49ers uh, back in 1985. You know they heard some rumblings that the Dallas Cowboys were gonna move or we're gonna draft uh, Jerry Rice. The 49ers moved up from. Uh, 28 to uh, 16, um, giving up a second rounder uh, and then swapping the the first and the third round picks there. So, um, you know, just thinking about it, it's like uh, worth that gamble for sure. Uh, getting Jerry Rice, probably the definitely easily the best wide receiver of all time. Uh, winner of three Super Bowls, Super Bowl MVP, 13 time. Uh, Pro Bowl selection, most receiving anything, yards, receptions, TDs by a lot. So, um, you know, for me, it was like kind of doing a little bit of research here. It's like, oh, yeah, the Niners completely uh, won this trade. Um, I don't I don't really have to look at who the Cowboys got. I don't think. <laughs> um, uh, so, but yeah, you know, nothing can compete, I think, with uh, Jerry Rice. Uh, just balling out uh, after the 1985 um, draft there. Uh, he ran it. He actually ran a 4.740 uh, to all the 40-time people out there. Uh, so, you know, 40 times, not can't. it's a great and all that, but it's also important to be a good route runner and being explosive, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage, all that out of uh, Mississippi Valley State. So, you know, really balled out. If you look at his college stats, they're actually pretty ridiculous. Uh, you know, definitely not a Alabama SEC type of thing, right? So, um, but yeah, uh, have to give my props to uh, Jerry Rice doing a little bit of throwback there. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean to kind of uh, just take him away from the Cowboys is probably the you know the biggest part of that because it kind of felt like with where the Cowboys were going in that era and kind of moving into the '90s, what Jerry Rice could have been on the Cowboys with you know perhaps Aikman. Um, you know, perhaps Michael Irvin, who, who would have known, but, uh, you know, maybe a couple more championships would have, would have came to Dallas in that situation. But uh, also kind of interesting that, uh, you know, coming out of Mississippi Valley State, how, you know, he was being kind of 
I don't know, evaluated or just kind of known or, or analyzed in, in that time as being, you know, somebody that was a must have for that draft. So, yeah. you know, I feel like sometimes these stars that break out from smaller schools, it's, you never really saw them coming in a way. Like I feel like, you know, maybe a Scotty Pippen or Dennis Rodman just would have completely fallen off the radar. But, uh, yeah. you know, in the same sense, like, I guess the, the scouts were there and they, you know, were sending good enough word to, you know, teams to let him know about Jerry and uh, he definitely, you know, lived up to his billing. Yeah. And, you know, you got to think about kind of even like this NFL draft and see like some of who are the small school people. Uh, you know, I know some uh, GMs out there, uh, Ryan Pace can sometimes get a little cutesy with like some of the small school people, uh, you know, we saw with like Adam Shaheen, um, you know, and, and some other ones too. So, uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, this, this coming draft, I know uh, there's a lot of fans talking about the bears fans talking about Christian Watson, uh, out of North Dakota state. So, you know, uh, but yeah, it's like, who can, who can really measure the heart and athleticism and skill set uh, necessary from the smaller skills, see if it translates into, you know, big time football. Um, you know, that's, that's certainly where the good scouts come in and they, the Niners definitely, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, Bill Walsh was like, yeah, we need to get this guy. So, you know, props to them for uh, uh, taking that gamble. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it kind of seems like over time there's been, especially at the quarterback position, there's been a lot of choices that have come out of kind of obscure schools, you know, looking at a, you know, Joe Flacco or Carson Wentz, or mm-hmm. you know, now it's like a Trey Lance and even, uh, you know, Malik Willis in this year's draft is like kind of starting to fly up the, you know, draft boards in the first round or what have you. So it's like, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, now there's just game tape everywhere and, you know, anybody can be, you know, the next NBC or Fox or ESPN or whatever else, just with their, their mobile phones. So, uh, yeah. You know, and and Roethlisberger too. Uh, that was a, that was a, I think he came out of what Miami, Ohio or something like that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No. So, um, no, it's a good pick. I mean, obviously it's a, a good clear choice is, uh, you know, a trade that happened during the draft for arguably the best receiver of all time. For sure. So I guess, um, you know, kind of sticking on the positives, I'll just, uh, you know, pull mine, Um, you know, in the transfer of players in this draft and this actual trade and during this draft were, you know, they produced uh, pro bowlers for both sides, two guys that were, you know, franchise cornerstones and it's a 2004 NFL draft. Um, I've got the best trade going to the New York Giants for grabbing Eli Manning um, after a trade with the San Diego Chargers of the time, who are now the L.A. Chargers. But um, Philip Rivers went back, uh, so did a third-round pick in the same year draft that ended up producing kicker Nate Kading. Um, and then in 2005, they also got a first-round pick, which was Sean Lights Out Merriman, um, <laughs> who was just really a standout, um, you know, edge rusher. He was a... I guess they said he was fifth all time in sacks in the three, his first three years out of college. So, you know, that's pretty notable. And he had three pro bowls to start off his career. Uh, also notable. I know his, his tenure in the, in the, you know, bigs didn't last, uh, you know, as long as most projected, I think he played about 10 years, but he was definitely an impact player and one that got, you know, the chargers of that time to, to, uh, you know, a conference championship with, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson is still on the roster. And, uh, you know, Drew Brees was also on that roster, too, for the Chargers when they made that trade. So it's like, you know, kind of looking at the writing on the wall when, uh, you know, Manning found out that he was going to get drafted. He, you know, the the word is his dad kind of, you know, told him, talked him out of it. But uh, he swears against it. He says, you know, it was more uh, his agent at the time and, you know, his own impressions. Uh, he, he also looked at the situation and said, look, like, the Chargers drafted Ryan Leaf in 98, a uh, complete bust. You know, Drew Brees had a really tough time getting going out there. So, you know, he was a little bit against just, you know, finding himself in that same unlucky situation. And, uh, you know, at the time, I think everybody looked at Eli as kind of a, you know, Brad. And, you know, he kind of was because, you know, his dad was Archie and his brother's Peyton. And uh, he just has this look on his face. And, I mean, I – I was never a big Eli guy, to be honest with you. It was kind of like, you, know, you could kind of see he was kind of smug. Um, but it was good for the Giants. I mean, they were looking at Eli, and they honestly said they would have gone with Big Ben um, at that same pick had they not had confidence that they could pull off a trade with the Chargers. So yeah. um, the story, just how the story could have been written in a lot of different ways is interesting and just like kind of fun to think about with, you know, three 
arguably hall of fame quarterbacks, you know, all in different situations, but yeah. Um, you know, we know the Eli story. He won in 08, he won in 12 uh, with teams that were wild card, you know, <laughs> playing kind of teams. They were 10 and six and nine and seven having won the championships. And, you know, we always remember the David Tyree catch in, in 08 to knock off uh, the undefeated Patriots. And then uh, in 12, the, the big catch by Mario Manningham and, uh, you know, just defense firing on all cylinders for the Giants. I mean, arguably they they helped win those championships too. But uh, do you have any reactions to that um, best trade or just uh, those players involved? Yeah, no, I mean, those it, – it, it would have been interesting though. Yeah, like you were talking about, um, you know, the players that, uh, that the Chargers got, right? Like those are some quality uh, players that, you know, led to – uh, some championship runs, you know, I think they went to a conference championship or something, you know, something along those lines. So like it, they, re- those players really made an impact. Uh, then it's like, yeah, you can't really knock on uh, not too much. Like I guess on the giants too, cause they won a couple of Super Bowls with Eli. So granted, it's like, you look at the, the stats, right? I think Phillip rivers kind of trumps uh, Eli Manning's uh, stats some. So um, that being said, you know, it's, it is funny that we talk about Archie and the pain the Manning family, it's like, it's like the ball family in the NBA in a way, you know, like was, is LeVar ball, basically uh, Archie Manning, you know, like talking like, Oh yeah. You know, this guy's got to go uh, to the Lakers and all that when, when Lonzo was coming out. So um, no, I, I, I like, I like the, um, I like the analysis you provided, you know, talking about Sean Merriman and everything. Uh, people sometimes forget about him and his impact. Uh, you know, he was probably like, he was kind of like how cool Mac was like back in the heyday. Right. So very much that impact sack master and you know those are hard to get so um yeah really like that and interesting enough yeah now we're seeing uh you know them moving to la i wonder what i wonder what what would have happened you know if uh if san diego the san diego chargers were in la at the time like they are now like would archie be like yeah let's uh let's go through because hey la is not not too bad of a place too so um, and I love Eli Manning now uh, as a kind of a comedic uh, <laughs> relief from Peyton Manning and the Money Enough Football uh, cast. So I uh, can appreciate him there. But um, yeah, it was it was a good trade, I think, uh, uh, probably for both parties overall. So, yeah. The only thing, other thing I'll add is, uh, you know, just the amount of passing um, involved in today's game, you know, going to the mid 2000s and onward, it's it's like you look at the top 10 list for most touchdowns, most uh, passing yards all time. And it's kind of funny, but you'll see Eli in the top 10 for both of those. You'll see Philip Rivers in the top 10 for both of those. And it's like sometimes I really think about, like, who are the greatest quarterbacks of all time? And I, I don't initially think of Eli or Philip Rivers uh, just based on like passing the eye test or like what we think of when we think of greatness. But in a lot of ways, those guys were prolific in a very like for Eli, very quiet. And then Philip, it was just, you know, he, he was a loud mouth. He was somebody who was going to bark at you uh, throughout the entire game. And it's kind of, you know, well documented on YouTube for having some really funny, you know, video compilations for that. But uh, you know, he was outspoken, but the same way as his game was kind of, um, it was kind of um, underappreciated, I'd say, because you just didn't see him, you know, on the face, you know, as the face of any sort of NFL promotion or on the cover of any sort of game. It was just a Brady Manning league at that time. So it was just really hard to, uh, to break through in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's interesting to think about uh, Breeze and Rivers on the same team, right? Like, could you imagine, the backfield not to say that rivers again was not a bad you know like he was a terrible quarterback or anything like that but you think about breeze and his impact you know hall of famer uh you know all the passing yards he's accumulated the super bowl in uh, new orleans so it's like could you imagine him and ladinian tomlinson like at their peaks like man that is crazy to think about um and then yeah you know what would happen if they were like yeah let's let's stick around with this drew Brees kid let's let's see if he still has it um granted you know, it, it, it made, it made sense, uh, you know, cause I know he was going through um, some arm issues. Right. So that was the whole thing. It was like, Hey, yeah, uh, you know, we, we did draft Philip Rivers and yeah, this breeze guy, we don't know if he's, if he's, if he's going to be able to throw. So, you know, I can't fault them for that, but man, that would have been an awesome backfield. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breeze staying on. I mean, think of just, 
I mean, even San Diego not drafting Rivers with that pick and maybe getting like another playmaker to just go around with Tomlinson and then a recovered breeze or something like, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of scenarios just kind of go through my head with uh, the amount of talent that like got transferred in this trade, but uh, just a fun one to look back at. But um, I guess to round it off, uh, who, what would you say is your third, um, you know, best trade in a draft that you, you remember? Yeah, so uh, I had uh, Walter Jones, actually, the Walter Jones left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, shout out to all the Seattle people out there uh, having lived there uh, for six years. So, um, but yeah, like Walter Jones, I'll, I'll talk about him as a player and I'll talk about the others, the draft they trade itself. But, you know, he was, I uh, played in the NFL for, I think 12 or 13 years, um, more than a decade, started every single game. Uh, you know, you, you talk about a left tackle, you know, probably the most, the second most important position in the NFL uh, next to quarterback, right? Um, played every single game at a high level, nine-time pro bowler, six-time all-pro. Um, so, yeah, during the 1997 NFL draft, um, they Seahawks traded – their third round picked and swapped uh, their first rounders uh, from the, there's the 12th pick to the sixth pick um, traded up for Walter Jones there. Uh, Tampa Bay, actually the, the team that they traded with actually ended up picking work done who had a, you know, a good career uh, just, yeah, not left tackle all, you know, all pro every single game type of player like Walter Jones was. Um, and then actually after uh, work done uh, was uh, Tony Gonzalez actually. So, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of great talent uh, in this draft, but you know, Walter Jones at a left tackle and being that staple for more than a decade, like that's what you want out of a first round pick, right? Especially a left tackle. So, you know, I uh, had to give props to uh, the this, this Seattle Seahawks there at, at the left tackle. You know, got to got to give props to the big guys. They, you know, if you have a good line, you can do a lot of great things there. And um, yeah, you know, Seahawks had a Super Bowl run in there too with Walter Jones there at left tackle. So. Yeah, had to give him props for that and that pick. Um, so, now, yeah. what are your thoughts on on my selection of Walter Jones, a good old-fashioned left tackle at that in there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's underappreciated again. It's like, you know, Sean Alexander could run for, you know, 1,000, 1,500-yard 1, you know, seasons, and nobody would really know Walter Jones is the one, you know, paving the way for him. Or, you know, maybe it's a Marshawn Lynch or – it's just protecting the quarterback, you know, Hasselbeck into, you know, Russell Wilson and such. So it's like, you know, nobody really will point him out and say, you know, that's the guy unless you're playing, you know, Madden and he's ranked 99 every single year, which is probably what he was uh, <laughs> throughout his career. But, you know, he was a he was a household name for offensive linemen. Like, you know, all of us casual fans, even those that are kind of, you know, diehards or what have you, it's like, you may know the name or you may not because you're just kind of focused on quarterbacks or wide receivers. But at the end of the day, um, you know, when they shine a light on his career, I think most people um, acknowledge him for being a great offensive lineman and just kind of, you know, doing what he did for, for 12 seasons. But um, it's a bit unfair. I wish today's game, you know, would, would do more to, you know, kind of get these guys in the spotlight because it really is a battle of the trenches. Like when you look at just O lines and D lines and, and, you know, things like that. I mean, I think, you know, nowadays with quarterbacks getting, you know, so much protection from the referees, maybe offensive linemen have taken like a, like a slight bump down because they're just in general, um, you know, quarterback can't really get touched no matter what, but, um, but in the same sense, I mean, I just feel like, you know, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, I think ESPN does a, a thing on pancakes now, just kind of showing, you know, the top blocks and things like that. But, um, uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add just in terms of the game or how linemen are perceived? You know, that's a great, no, I'm glad you brought that all up. And then it's like, uh, I, I think somebody did an analysis on this, like on Twitter, I saw it was like uh, the top 10 quarterbacks get obviously paid the most uh, and have the highest impact on salary cap. Uh, but, you know, now, now thanks to some recent signings, like, uh, you know, Christian Kirk uh, and all the Jaguars wide, wide receiver now is the second most um paid uh, position now uh mm. yeah so i know it used to be i think left tackle but now it's wide receiver again to your point like it, it seems like it's it's much more about you know um yeah it's kind of taking up a, a little, little bit of a back seat there uh with regards to i guess how teams are prioritizing that are like okay uh with how quarterbacks are getting uh 
you know, uh, I guess coddled, you know, with the penalties and all, it's like, okay, now I think we can maybe shift a little bit more of our funding and our priorities towards wide receivers and to tight ends a little bit more now. So yeah, it is a passing league, uh, but yeah, you, you still need some offensive line there, linemen there. Um, and also like, Hey, Tom Brady didn't have too many wide receivers. I think that during his time, I, I actually think that was a pretty good hack, I guess, uh, from Bill Belichick was getting tight ends. Uh, since I guess they just don't require as much money. So, you know, getting uh, uh, Gronkowski and uh, uh, that, that guy, Aaron Hernandez too, and all that. So, um, you know, I, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing has made an impact and then getting offensive linemen, you know, for the Patriots, that, that, that might've been their way of going about it, kind of the workaround with all that. So, uh, but, you know, yeah, offensive linemen, definitely impactful, definitely, I guess, under, appreciated uh you know for your modern nfl uh fans but uh we hear you guys so yeah and i think actually nf our linemen actually have the best gpas in college football if i'm not mistaken like on average so um smart people too and you know the bears got one for a gm so hopefully he's really really smart so yeah well all good points definitely and uh you know we're crossing our fingers that tevin jenkins can be the next uh you know walter jones in that sense yeah yeah so who do you got next on your list now? So next on my list, we're going to we're going to flip the script a little bit. We talked about all the happy and, you know, warm-hearted feelings towards good trades, but we're going to go toward the dark side. Um I'm going to bring up the first one that I think is just an atrocity and it's for, you know, the Minnesota Vikings of 1989. So the Wayback Machine is now open. Uh, I think I was two years old. I, I'm, I'm assuming Wayne, you know, was born, you know, around, you know, that time. It was, yeah. you know, probably in diapers or something like that. But, uh, you know, looking at the time, um, the trade was that Dallas sent over running back Herschel Walker, who at that time was 26 years old. He was a two-time Pro Bowler at that point. Uh, Minnesota had, you know, been second place in their division. Um, had a pretty good winning record and thought to themselves, okay, we get this running back and this is just going to put us over the top. Like we have all the pieces in place. We just need to, you know, slam this thing home. Um, so they bring over Herschel Walker and in the process, they trade six um, defensive players of theirs, as well as giving up five draft picks uh, in the draft. So just a ton of capital, uh, both on the defensive side of their current team and then just pretty much their entire future uh, for the next uh, few seasons. So um, unfortunately for Minnesota, uh, his tenure in Minnesota ended in two years. He never had more than a thousand yards rushing. And in that time, um, you know, just getting to a thousand yards was probably everything for the running back. I mean, they weren't as involved in the passing game. They weren't going to get you know, the 80 receptions that we now see from a McCaffrey or a Camara. So he just truly underwhelmed in that time um, for them. And, you know, on the other side of it, um, I was kind of going through and, you know, checking the box with all names, but, you know, as far as who Dallas got, as far as ac- actual roster, you know, rostered players from Minnesota, they, they brought over linebacker, Jesse Solomon, a D back, Isaiah, Isaiah Colt, uh, running back, Darren Nelson, uh, linebacker, David Howard and D end Alex Stewart. Um, all these guys didn't really mount up to being uh, primetime players for them. Uh, their DB, uh, Holt, ended up being on one of their Super Bowl teams uh, in 1993. But the main players that Dallas got back were through the draft, and it ended up producing Emmett Smith, who <laughs> we all know is probably, you know, arguably the best running back of all time, um, over 20, you know, 20,000 all-purpose yards, um, 175 uh, total touchdowns, is second all-time. Um, just an absolute stud. And they also got safety Darren Woodson, who had five Pro Bowls, uh, a three-time All-Pro, and uh, still holds the record for most tackles for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they got defensive tackle uh, Russell Maryland, who was part of you know their three Super Bowl titles. Uh, and he got to one Pro Bowl as a D-tackle. Um, and they also had a cornerback named Kevin Smith, who was also part of uh, one of their championship seasons. So you know, you just kind of look at the hall and kind of the, the culture change that, you know, was brought to Dallas through, you know, that, that very impactful trade. And, you know, looking at Minnesota, uh, they, they never, uh, you know, advanced, you know, throughout the playoffs with Herschel Walker in those two brief seasons. 
Uh, he ended up finding his way back to Dallas later in his career too, which is kind of just like insult injury in my opinion. But, you know, I was just thinking about this trade um, in general. I have some questions, but do you have any initial reactions uh, to everything you're hearing? I mean, you kind of said it all. And honestly, like, you know, like this trade has its own Wikipedia, which I think says it all. Like this, this was definitely, uh, I guess, a kind of a one-sided trade here that was just so epic. So um, I think it's like one of those things. It's like, it's like right up there with like the Bobby Bonilla day type of thing, right? Where Bobby Bonilla gets a million dollars every year, for like, you know, 30 years or something. Like it's one of those, like, did that actually happen type of thing? Um, but it did. And yeah, you know, this really set up the groundwork, I think, yeah, for uh, the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s and, and made them America's team. So um, kudos. Yeah, I, I don't know who the uh, kudos to Jerry Jones, really, for like, I guess, greenlighting all that. So um, really great drafts. Uh, and I think this kind of really shows like uh, the idea. Like, could you actually imagine this of uh, trading all those picks for today, like uh, a running back, like <laughs> that would be interesting. No, that, I mean, that's kind of where I was going to go with it. I was going to kind of set you up, but uh, I was thinking to myself, like who could be a good comp for the Minnesota Vikings of 1988. And uh, like, what if we're talking Buffalo bills of this year and uh, you know, Alvin Kamara's out there, you know, the saints, you know, could be a 500 team again, you know, they could be in the mix, you know, perhaps, but uh you know, what if, what if Buffalo said to, you know, they, they go to New Orleans and they say, Hey, we'll give you, you know, six, we'll give you six players. I mean, they probably have to be low impact defensive players or, or something like that, but then say, you know, we'll set you up with five really nice draft picks moving forward. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're Buffalo first, you know, do you consider something like that? You know, you, you get Alvin Kamara and maybe that's, that's just a slam dunk in your mind. You're winning the Super Bowl this year, but, uh, yeah. You know, would you would you think about it? Well, you better win the Super Bowl if you're going to do that. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's just what's been proven. Uh, you know, with uh, not, not not to always talk about the the Bears and their strategies, but that's, that's why you got to build through the draft. I feel like, um, sure, yeah, if you're like one piece away uh, from the you know from that championship glory, kind of like what the Rams did, great. But you got to be in that position um, to go all crazy or go all yolo about it, right? Um, so, but yeah, if, if I'm the bills, you know, for a running back in particular, that's, that's where it's just not a thing. And, um, I get it was, you know, during that time where running backs were like the, uh, cornerstone of offenses, uh, which today, like that's, <laughs> that's not, that's not true at all. Um, I think, you know, I was talking about that list before about, you know, uh, that position top 10 positions and salaries, I think running backs were actually last on there now. So um uh, probably except you know positional players not like kicker punters and all that or long snappers so yeah that's definitely where it's like the running back position has just completely been devalued you know you, you also think about the ricky williams trade as well um where yeah the saints like got rid of their traded their entire draft basically for one player right so um again in today's nfl that would just that would just be unheard of so um but yeah even then you know, the impact that that trade had uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, holy cow. Um, that's, that's such a, that's such a uh, crazy trade that happened. And yeah, we still talk about it. So. For sure. Um, yeah. How about you? Do you have a bad one to, to bring up? Yeah, I got one here uh, from pretty, probably the most known infamously known uh, second overall pick uh, just because of how good the first, was and how bad uh, this player was but uh you know i'm gonna go go back to uh the 1998 nfl draft i think you know where i'm going with this ryan leaf uh chargers moved up one spot kind of like how the bears did a little bit here but it was actually a little bit worse if you look at it um moved from three to two the 1998 draft uh swapped the first rounders there uh gave up a second rounder in the same draft uh, and then also gave up the, the next year's first round as well, which ended up being the eighth overall pick. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, they swapped or they traded with the Cardinals. So, um, and then the same year too, uh, or you know, the, the year, af- uh, I guess, after the draft, um, the Cardinals actually won their first uh, playoff game in 61 years as well. So the Cardinals actually did pretty well. Uh, and then, you know, the Chargers were pretty, uh, pretty infamous, I think, after 
that. Um, but then I think that led to some uh, high draft picks for them. And, you know, they landed some good people there. So um, I think that eventually landed them uh, um, uh, Mike Vick. And then, you know, they swapped with the Atlanta Falcons for Ladanian Tomlinson. So, you know, I guess you want to look at it in that aspect, maybe, I guess. Uh, and then I think that same draft for Ladanian Tomlinson, they also got Drew Brees. Um, so maybe it did kind of work out in a way, but, you know, obviously they didn't win the whole thing. And uh, eventually Breeze left uh, and they drafted Phillip Rivers and we just went over all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, Chargers uh, um, didn't really do so much with uh, Ryan Leaf. Uh, you know, we can always talk about Ryan Leaf a bunch. Uh, he's doing a lot better. I think actually as a commenta- commentator slash podcaster, listen to just a couple of stuff, very, very, uh, you know, kind of deep. And he, he did a lot of soul searching afterwards. So, you know, uh, can't fault him too much on this. He sounds like he's doing a lot better uh, than what he was uh, when he came into the NFL. Um, but then, yeah, the Cardinals, uh, they got some, they got some pretty decent talent, you know, uh, didn't win a Super Bowl or anything like that, uh, but did get uh, David Boston actually with that eighth pick, um, in the 1999 first round that they got from this trade, David Boston had a pretty decent career, ran into some injuries, but, you know, had a 1500 yard season in there, um, had Eric Metcalf, you know, one of the best special teamers, uh, linebacker, Patrick Sapp. Um, and then, yeah, with that spot pick, they got uh, Andre Wadsworth who had a good rookie season, you know, for that playoff team. Uh, but, you know, ran into some injuries and that really uh, kind of curtailed his career. Um, I think he's like a pastor now and also slash pot. I feel like everybody's a podcaster. I think he's also a podcaster as well. So, you know, all in all, um, not the best trade for the, for the chargers. uh, But, you know, uh, the Cardinals, you know, they they, they had a, a, I guess an okay haul uh, for what it was worth and, you know, hit some playoff glory there. So what are your thoughts on, on this trade with Ryan Leaf? Yeah. In that same draft, who was the, who was the top court? Was it, the Peyton Manning draft. It was the Peyton Manning draft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're the second guy up to Peyton Manning, it's like, you know, you're kind of Sam Bowie of the Portland trailblazers, you know, it's just like, unfortunately you got to follow, you know, the act of Peyton Manning, but, uh, you know, Brian Leaf seemed like he just had, uh, his head screwed on wrong, um, from the very start. Um, you know, I think we all remember the infamous blow up at the reporter, um, over the course of the season and how he was playing. And, and I, I think the pressure for him, you know, was probably too high. I don't know if they've ever, um, you know, said that, you know, he had, you know, some sort of, uh, let's say, personality disorder, or maybe he was battling mental health issues before it became, you know, a little bit more uh, understandable or commonplace today. Uh, that could have probably contributed to him kind of not, you know, seeing his full potential out. But, um, you know, as far as the trap, you know, the trade goes, it's, you know, good for the chargers that, you know, the Cardinals never won any super bowls, um, you know, in response. I mean, I think David Boston's a, was a, you know, really nice, you know, number two receiver for the most part in his career. And, you know, it's probably the poster boy for, uh, you know, HGH and other stuff back in the day. Yeah. I saw his guns on, on <laughs> Google images. Um, but, um, I think, um, yeah, Corey Shavis, I think, was another name that was maybe um, a part of the the package for the Cardinals through the draft. But I think he made a name for himself with the Vikings. Um, overall, I think, you know, when you're dealing, you know, that many picks, just that many options for another team, if your guy doesn't pan out, you're sweating, you know. And uh, we'll get into we'll get into our personal sweating with the Chicago Bears and some of the things we've done uh, pretty soon here. But uh, yeah, I don't have much else to say. I mean, I, I I wished Ryan Leaf, you know, got it together somehow and maybe became a journeyman later in his career, just found like some sort of role for himself to kind of not have to live with this kind of legacy in the game. But uh, did you have any other, you know, additional thoughts? Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, you know, uh, not, not again, with respect to uh, Andre Wadsworth, uh, the, the pick from Arizona Cardinals, but the next pick uh, was Charles Woodson uh, from Oakland. So, Wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, if, if that if that occurred, then, yeah, they, they would have hit it out of the ballpark. I actually don't know who, who the Cardinals had in their secondary, but I doubt they were as good as Charles Woodson. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, they won the playoff game. So I guess that that, that was okay for them. So, um, but, yeah, uh, 
no yeah i i like what you were saying i guess with ryan leaf uh you know i i think i was listening to some of his uh stuff his talks uh kind of just you know going over all of the things that he was going through uh he he, de- he definitely has opened up a lot more i guess with regards to you know um his process and his, th- his thought process like as he was entering the draft like was not prepared uh, for anything. Uh, you know, it was, I think he showed up to like camp, like 40 pounds overweight and all that. So really did, you know, didn't, uh, was not that professional, I guess, uh, you know, uh, when he was with the chargers, didn't come prepared uh, mentally as well. So, and, you know, it just showed there and yeah, he, he, he was definitely like, I guess he like self-described as like cocky basically for all that. So, uh, polar opposite of, I guess, what we what we see and hear from Peyton Manning, who is the consummate professional, always looking at tape, always, uh, you know, examining everything, um, and obviously it showed on the field. So, um, but yeah, it was just kind of an unfortunate thing, I guess, with Ryan Leaf that yeah he has that Sam Bowie effect and all that. Um, so, but uh, glad that I guess he's sounds like he's in a better state of mind. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, and thankful for that just as another human to another human. So, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a good point too. You mentioned just in terms of quarterbacks or any position for that matter, when you're going about scouting, just looking at how the players process is just, you know, are they the type to hit the gym early? Are they the type to be in, you know, immaculate shape when they enter camp? Are they, you know, always looking for that edge? You know, I feel like that's kind of what's contributed to some of the greatest players of all time you know, regardless of talent or just, you know, physical attributes, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to read maybe at times when you're during, you know, throughout the combine or while a kid's still in college. And there's been a lot of kids with, you know, uh, attitudes that have ended up being some great players as well. So it's kind of like, what's the balancing act between a kid who's just going to, you know, work hard and do it by the books and those that just fall back on their talent, but they've just got, you know, an, an edge to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A quarterback is really, I think the hardest, uh, it, you know, certainly is like the hardest uh, uh, position to analyze. And it's like how much of a quarterback is, you know, you also got to take into account scheme, uh, the talent around them, offensive linemen, veteran wide receivers trying to help them out. Like, you know, they have their, their hands on the ball all the time. They're the ones that are calling the shots, calling the audibles, uh, so it's like, there's a lot to process in there for a quarterback. So, um, but you know, I, it sounds like it's getting better, but obviously there's always going to be, um, you know, it'll be interesting if there do- is like a certain level of like another Tom Brady, that's like a six round pick Um, you know, these days it sounds like, uh, you know, it's either first rounders or, or second rounders that are, are starting in the NFL these days. Um, you know, I know what Russell Wilson, I can think about is like a third rounder. Um, but apart from that, it, it always seems like it's the first rounders these days, just with all the talent that they have and all the scouting that's been put around them. You know, we were talking about some small school people with Carson Wentz. So, you know, maybe it is a little bit better, uh, but at the same time, it's hard. It's just hard to scout quarterbacks, I think, in general. So, but yeah. yeah. And I think another thing to add, just as far as, uh, you know, quarterback and how they end up, you know, turning out to be the, the organization matters, the ownership matters, executives definitely matter. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, the Matt Stafford that goes to Detroit and, you know, sits in the box for you know nearly a decade. And then that one season he goes to LA and he's under an offensive guru with some weapons. And it's like, Hey, he found himself a Super Bowl. Like, how did that happen? So it's like, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough when you're, you know, coming out of college and, you know, the weight is on your shoulders to be the savior. And you don't really know what kind of situation you're walking into sometimes. And sometimes it's kind of what's around you too, that just helps, uh, you know, yeah, no, totally. Your downfall. Yeah, totally. It's like, I mean, we just, you know, we, we can always talk about the Packers versus the bears, right? It's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> is it like 20 plus years of just watching Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre kick our butts and all that. And it's like, who's our best quarterback of all time. Jay Cutler. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something's got to be better for there. Like, yeah. How much can we blame just scouting and talent? Like, no, but like a lot of it too is organization and, and all that and how their organization is structured, how they develop the quarterbacks. Um, and then, yeah, the system around to develop those quarterbacks too. So, cause yeah, it takes a lot. Um, yeah. So hope, hopefully we see uh, better days ahead, uh, you know, with uh, Justin Fields. So. 
Yeah, well, we're crossing our fingers. I think we both like him, which is a good thing. Um, but one quarterback that I think we're split on, um, but in general situation, I think we both agree on is my final uh, worst draft day trade. And I remember sitting there watching it and being kind of in complete disarray with what we were deciding to do tactically that day. And uh, it ends up going that in 2017, uh, the Bears got Mitchell Trubisky from North Carolina and they ended up getting him in the number two overall slot in that year's draft in the first round. And in order to do that, they traded up uh, literally one pick from the number three overall uh, to the number two uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, in return for that trade up, um, the San Francisco 49ers got uh, with the number three overall pick uh, defensive tackle Solomon Thomas um, in the third round pick that they got from the bears. Uh, it ended up being um, Dante Pettis at the end of the day, wide receiver Dante Pettis um, with the fourth round selection that they got from the bears in that same draft, they ended up packaging it up and moving up in the draft to trade for Ruben Foster, uh, who was a linebacker with a lot of potential, um, but ultimately domestic violence kind of derailed his career and his image and, you know, just kind of ended him uh, prematurely. And uh, in the next year's draft, they got a th an extra third rounder from the Bears that ended up producing uh, Pro Bowler Fred Warner, uh, linebacker who's still with the team, uh, amazing talent. And, uh, you know, just kind of looking at it, I mean, we could break this down from a multitude of different angles, which we definitely will. But, um, you know, for me, the first thing that stands out, and I'll kick it over to Wayne, but the first thing that stood out to me was just when we were sitting there that day, we kind of knew who the bears were, you know, in line for. And so did a lot of the other executives in the NFL. And just to kind of see them, you know, drop so much more draft capital just to make that one, you know, digit move up in the draft. It was like, I lost it. I, I was, you know, scratching my head. Couldn't really believe what was really going on in real time. But, um, you know, what did you think about it that day? And, uh, just with, you know, what transferred on paper, what were you, what were you kind of thinking about, in, you know, in that time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I like how we're t talking about, like, it was this traumatic thing for sure. <laughs> but <in a> way, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think I spoke before that, like, I liked uh, Chabrisky as, as the prospect. That being said, um, you know, I wanted Deshaun Watson. Um and, you know, I thought they could have got him at, with the, the third overall pick there. So I didn't think it was necessary uh, to your point with regards to there. Um, you know, who knows exactly what would have happened uh, if uh, if Ryan Pace just stood there at, at, at the number three spot. Um, you know, w was somebody actually moving up? Who knows? Who knows? And I think that's what Ryan Pace did. Just thought like, hey, I just want to be safe. I want to get my guy Trubisky. Um, never, uh, apparently he never, uh, had, had dinner with Trubisky, but never like talked really with Deshaun Watson, which I don't get. So, you know, you talked about a, a person that elevated the Clemson program, uh, you know, they won big games. They won, you know, I think they won a championship and all that Trubisky. Like, I think they were like eight and four, uh, when, when, or something close to that, like barely over 500, essentially. Um, so, you know, elevated it, but never really like dominated or, or brought them to the national spotlight there. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of good like quarterback uh, presence uh, within Trubisky, you know, made some really accurate throws, uh, saw the mobility there. So, you know, I would have, I guess, preferred if uh, if they were to go the Trubisky route again, which obviously I wouldn't have uh, with Mahomes in the same draft, too. But, um, you know, would have traded back a little bit and got him later in the first round. Um if, if, you know, if I wanted to go that route, but I, I was dead set on Watson. I was excited about it. Um, so, but you know, the talent I think I saw was there again, elevated the program. So I was much more about Watson uh, and, and, and just kind of going with him and just letting the draft come to you in that sense. So, um, but yeah. And then now that you mentioned all the players that we could have gotten to it, it just hits a little bit harder um, with the, yeah. You mentioned like, you know, Fred Warner and all that eventually. So, um, but yeah, it, it definitely was not uh, my favorite trade uh, during, during uh, that, that night. Um, again, I wanted Deshaun Watson, but I was kind of content actually with Trubisky and, 
you know, it seems like things were much more on the Nagy side, right, uh, uh, than it was on Trubisky. But we'll see how he how he pulls things off in Pittsburgh. Uh, from everything I've heard and seen, he seems like a great person. So, you know, got to, you know, we were talking about quarterbacks and organizations and how they help them out. Hopefully uh, he has better luck in Pittsburgh when, you know, they had all the uh, the luck, I guess, with uh, getting Ben Roethlisberger and having more than a decade with him at the quarterback realm. So, but yeah, what are your, what are your uh, additional thoughts on all that? Yeah. I mean, there's just some names I'm going to drop as far as in the 2017 draft that were parts of this deal that came to be. I mean, so San Francisco didn't exactly uh, hit a home run in the trade. I mean, I think Fred Warner is a great return and that's it. But just for the amount of picks they got, I think a lot of folks were still like, you know, San Francisco kind of, you know, didn't really fully succeed in this because in the third round pick that they got from the bears and they ultimately traded and, you know, found their way to Dante Pettis. If they would have stayed in that slot and just drafted the player that fell there in that slot, it would have been Alvin Kamara. So it's, uh, you know, it's <laughs> imagine Alvin Kamara now in the San Francisco 49ers. Imagine him on the bears with uh, Deshaun Watson or possibly Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even starting in 2017, I mean, I think we'd all be salivating right now thinking about, you know, what our roster could be. Um, San Francisco in that same draft ended up with, you know, in round five ended up with George Kittle. So in a lot of ways, like, you know, outside of the Bears trade that year, they still ended up with, you know, a perennial, uh, you know, pro bowler there. So that was nice for them. But, um, you know, just kind of looking down the line and there's a good uh, Bleacher Report article that talks about, you know, that whole draft and the whole, you know, Bears process with Trubisky and, you know, like you're saying with the Deshaun Watson, you know, just kind of stiffing him with, you know, no workout, you know, didn't even want to meet him. It was just like the mindset for the Bears at that time was like, you know, well, Jay Cutler's, you know, the the most successful quarterback we've seen, you know, in, in this, you know, franchise throughout these halls. So, you know, let's go with a guy who kind of, you know, fits that mold or looks that part. And I kind of feel like, you know, I don't want to go fully, uh, you know, off the grid here with what I want to say, but um, in the same sense to kind of just like dismiss Watson's talents and, you know, Mahomes was kind of a gunslinger. He was kind of a, you know, kind of a cutler type, honestly, like you didn't really know what you were going to get, but, you know, definitely had arm talent and things like that. So I don't, I don't feel bad because sometimes these things just pop at the right time for the right players or franchises or, you know, that marriage or what have you. But you know, I kind of just looked down the same, the first round and uh, let's say we didn't go quarterback. We could have ended up with Leonard, Leonard Fournette, Jamal Adams, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, TJ Watt, Joe Mixon, or Dalvin Cook. I mean, if we would have ended up with really any of those guys, it would have just been like, yeah. you know, another cornerstone on the defensive side or the offensive side. So it's just like an extra you know, a little cherry on top. And, um, you know, the last thing I'll say, at least for this trade, was just kind of seeing what we did in 17 and we walk into 18 and we, you know, we we get Khalil Mack, who, you know, we were all ecstatic about. We wanted, you know, that player. But, you know, to give up two extra firsts when we'd already dished off all this other draft capital, it was like, we're doing it again. And we're just yeah. we're just not there. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's my piece, I'd say. But uh, yeah. you know, do you have any... Any reactions to any of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting now. It's happening, right? It's like we're we're kind of like uh, comparing uh, Ryan Poles and Ryan Pace a little bit, I guess. With uh, like a lot of people want uh, uh, just spend uh, you know spend crazy on free agency, right? Like take advantage of that rookie uh, quarterback uh, uh, contract, kind of like how uh, Pace did that with uh, Trubisky. It's like okay, we got the rookie quarterback. Uh, contract now let's let's get some awesome talent around uh, everywhere uh you know with signing Allen robinson and then training for khalil mack it's like uh ryan 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 poles is thinking long term uh you know saving that draft capital as we were talking about before the draft capital is really important to build a successful franchise and scouting like you know foundational stuff uh you know get get that talent get that you know, I, th- I think Ryan Polis talks about like getting like essentially half a team like through the draft, like that's just quality talent all around. And then you can fill the rest of the pieces, you know, via free agency, like that's the game plan. So, you know, um, I'm hoping that things pan out uh, as a Bears fan, as someone that just wants a good 
team out there and it wants a good quarterback and I'm really hopeful for Justin Fields. So, um, you know, hopefully bears fans just try to be patient. Let's, let's, let's pull through this together and all that. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for the bears draft overall and yeah, hopefully things turn out better than the other Ryan. Yeah, no, I think those are good points. And, uh, you know, this might be a tough upcoming season again for the Chicago bears, kind of a building block year, but like you're saying with polls, uh, one thing I saw was, you know, we haven't seen a lot of activity this off season with, you know, dropping big money, but um, somebody said he's, he's been, you know, stashing away about 120 plus million dollars for, for next off season. So there was a slew of uh, top name wide receivers that were, you know, in that class. And we've just kind of seen some extensions get dropped to, yeah. to uh, Devonte Adams and uh, Tyreek Hill, unfortunately, but uh, there's still some names out there. So, uh, you know, have some positivity and kind of, you know, through this year and the draft and everything else, like hopefully, hopefully we're on that next, uh, you know, step once we get to the next off season, but I think good times are are ahead for the bears. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm very hopeful and yeah, hopefully things found. I'm excited for uh, this draft that comes coming around and all that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be probably talking a little bit more about that later, but um, yeah. Uh, hopefully they get that. I think San Diego state punter, uh, like in the last pick or whatever, the sixth round, but you know, we'll see what happens there. So <laughs> it sounds good. Well, you know, this is pretty much our, our episode on, uh, you know, the positive and negative trades that we've seen in, you know, the NFL history we've covered so far in our lives. Um, you know, some really great players, uh, you know, covered here and some, some, some huge busts and, you know, talking about our Chicago bears, uh, you know, it's a, it's still a wound that's uh, healing slowly, but uh, you know, like we said, there's some good times ahead for bears fans. So, you know, stay tuned for, uh, you know, for more from them and, and more from us. Cause this is, um, you know, part one of a three-part series uh, leading into the NFL draft. Um, our next episode will focus on, you know, uh, the draft coming up um, Thursday, uh, April 28th. It's, you know, knocking at the door. So, uh, you know, stay with us, keep following us and, uh, you know, we'll be back for more, but uh, Wayne, do you have any parting thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, yeah, let us know if there's anything else you want us to talk about. Uh, feel free to either tweet us or, or, or message us on or comments on our any Instagram posts. Just let us know uh, if there's any other additional things you want us to talk about, whether it be, you know, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NBA playoffs, uh, or yeah, the NFL. So, yeah, that's all. Sounds good. Subscribe to us uh, on YouTube, you know, like us on Instagram. You can find, again, our link tree um, URL is in our bio. It'll take you to everywhere that we're currently located. And uh, we just love to mix it up with you guys. So let us know if you got any trades that we, we missed here, you know, point one out for us and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll debate in the comments. But until next time, uh, Wayne Pua, uh, I'm Patrick Miller, and we're signing off for the Ball and Breakfast podcast. Have a good day, everyone.